Hey there, it's Tommy again. Welcome back. This is part two. <laughs> part two of our conversation with the amazing Letty Shoemate. We're going to pick this conversation right up where we left off talking about uh, white supremacy in capitalism. Uh, and we'll see where we go from there. If you don't mind, if you're finding traction with today's conversation, um, head over to one of our Instagram or Facebook and leave a comment under where we post the episode and tell us what you enjoy about today's episode or about the podcast. And if there's anybody that you want to see on the podcast in the coming year, send us a message and let us know that as well. So, all right, I'm going to get off of here and get to the actual substance and meat of this conversation because, yeah, you don't need to hear any more of me. See ya. Bye. I'm really leaving now. The music's about to fade out. <laughs> Bye. Yeah, I think like one of my projects over time right now is trying to be able to understand that even more so and like pull these threads so that mm. it's like, th no, you, we need to think beyond this system of, of exploitation, exploitative labor, <laughs> like our essential workers can't even feed themselves. <laughs> like you, yep. they, they can't afford, if you work for a grocery store in Charlotte, North Carolina, you cannot afford rent in a one bedroom apartment. Yeah. On your that's, own. that's how it is here. Yeah. yeah. It's like, and people don't, and that's what was interesting to me with COVID when people were getting their checks in the mail for $1,200. And they're like complaining, right? And they're like, oh, I can't move off of that. And I told a person, I said, really? Because that's pre-taxed before like what people get who are essential workers mm -hmm. who make minimum wage. That's pre-taxed. That's yeah, not even taxed yet. And so mm -hmm. I was like, so while you're out here saying thank you to them and all these things, what you need to be doing is actually voting for people who actually give a crap about giving them a livable wage because people are not, people are not making it. Right, people are no. not making it, and no. Wilmington is Wilmington's. No, people don't even know. Like, so oh, girl. Uh, oh, 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 please, can we go there? Please, can we go there? Yes. I feel like I should be paying you right now, but can we just go there? <laughs> yes, 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 no, yes. Y'all, mm. y'all can see my face. They cannot yep. see my face. Like I am just. And I have lived, so I currently live in Leland, North Carolina, which is like 10 minutes away from like Wilmington. It's basically like I can drive to Wilmington in seven, seven minutes. Okay. So I really do like everything there. But I lived in Wilmington for 10 years oh, and okay. then moved across the bridge here in Leland because it was just cheaper because too expensive to live in Wilmington. But I mean, that's a blessing. I'm not going to complain about it. It's fine. But uh, I could have nowhere to live. So, but what I will say is people have this idea of Wilmington as this like beach town and, oh, it's like they have a downtown area and it's progressive and <laughs> all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, word, which Wilmington are you talking about? Because uh, the people that I deal with in Wilmington, we do not, that's not what is happening as much as y'all say that it is like, you don't take into account and there's an entire area in Wilmington where like you literally see no black people living. There are many areas in Wilmington that are like that. There are areas like that across the country. Yes. Yeah. But I always try to talk about Wilmington because of the history of Wilmington. Mm -hmm. And it's integral that people understand that because history doesn't just go away. Like, just because something happened in 1898 doesn't mean you're not still feeling the effects of it right now today. So mm -hmm. we talk about capitalism, right? And we talk about the 1898 race massacre, uh, which happened November 10th, 1898. It was not out, out in the blue. 
and did not just happen. It happened really because white people were mad because black people were profiting and living and smart and intelligent and able to be right. We were able to be, and white people were just mad. And in North Carolina in 1896, the parties switched with power. And so also at the time, Republicans then would have been our Democrats today. So that's another thing. People look at history and they're like, oh, but Abraham Lincoln was a Republican. First of all, first of all, he ain't even do nothing. And like, he really didn't do much of anything. And then second of all, like he would have identified more today. Well, it's like a Democrat. side note. It's like people get these notions about parties as if they don't change. We uh, p- Parties adapt platforms every year. And so when people are gung-ho of I'm yes. XYZ and I'm like, don't accept that as your identity. <laughs> don't, that, don't let that become part of your identity because right. in, in both parties have been expl- uh, complicit in, in upholding these systems of oppression via capitalism. Yeah. And okay, back. Sorry. <laughs> no, I am. I'm really like, yes, I am always glad to hear other people saying the same stuff because I'm like, yes, you're my people because like, people do not understand this stuff. Um, but no, yeah. Yeah, like, so then basically, like, what happened is over, like, a two-year period, there's other stuff happening, too, in America. So, sure, it's Wilmington, North Carolina, but in America at the time as well, have to understand the women's suffrage movement, quite women's mm. suffrage movement. Yeah, yep. Was, <laughs> I mean, it's clear, right? Was at, like, mm. was way up there, right? So, it was kind of, like, getting toward the peak until you have this happening. You have... Uh, lynchings happening at such a high rate across (laughs) across the country not just south in all of america and so you have all these other things going on and then you have what's happening in north carolina in wilmington um you had a man named alex manley he actually had a newspaper office and his newspaper was actually called the daily record Mm -hmm. interesting enough it used to be the rival of a newspaper called the Wilmington Star. Yeah, it's our same Star oh, News shit. that's in Wilmington today that's still here. But Alex Manley got burned down. Yeah. Uh-huh, that great progressive history, though. Oh. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, so the progressive paper is actually was the rival of the black man that y'all got burned down? Oh, okay. Have uh, they published the performative apology that newspapers do? <laughs> No, no, um, no. But I, that's actually, actually, I'm gonna take note of that. I'm gonna take note of that piece. Somebody needs to do that. They need to be me. Um, like, y'all need to do this thing. But yeah, so they basically what happened, yeah, is a lot of white people were just big, mad. Um, they created a lot of rumors about black people, black men um, being rapists and uh, beasts that were gonna hurt white women. Also, what was happening was there was the populist party. So the populist party was seen as the devils and how the populist party was trying to take over and trying to give black people rights. Oof, there's a whole slew of stuff. And then November 10th, 1898, again, a lot more led up to this, but uh, that's the day that like the race massacre actually occurred. Mm-hmm. You have parks, like there's a park in Wilmington named Hugh McCray Park. And Hugh McCray was one of the secret nine who uh, and that group was a vigilante group in Wilmington that was a group of like wealthy white men, white supremacist men, who got together to conspire to help um, incite the Etani race massacre. They had a whole park named after him that just got renamed three weeks ago. And Jesus. yeah, and then you have like you know like the University of North Carolina at Wilmington. One of the buildings is named like Keenan Auditorium, and and you okay again a North Carolina school. <laughs> a building's named Keenan Auditorium, and William Keenan Senior was actually a white man, white supremacist man who had a machine gun put on the back of a truck that was taken around downtown Wilmington and killed black people. And Holy. The, mm-hmm, and the name on the building, I believe, is for his daughter, Sarah, if I'm not mistaken. Either way, it's still the Keenan family, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
And, uh... That, sorry, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just gonna say, his sins carry with, like, it doesn't stop. Like, yeah. Right, and there's a documentary called Wilmington on Fire. It was done by a black man named Chris Everett, who is actually from Wilmington, North, North Carolina. Okay. And it's required view. I think it's on Amazon Prime right now, actually. Yeah, it's like Prime Video. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really good. There's a lot of actual primary research about what happened. And I say it really, y'all, all that to say that after the massacre happened, the homes of black people were stolen by white people because white people had gotten power in Wilmington even before they were working undercover to get like to become like the magistrates to sign the papers for bank fees and all this stuff and all this crooked stuff and so what happened is there were black people were run out of Wilmington uh, they seized their homes illegally and then were able to uh, sell their homes to other so they literally stole them in profit right and a few years ago, they were talking about taking the bricks up from downtown Wilmington because some parts of the road are still like cobblestone, mm-hmm. um, which is like fine. But they um, wanted to take that up and have it. And now it's just like, no, like it needs to stay because you don't need to take those away because that's where blood was literally shed. Like y'all don't need to just mm-hmm. take it away. And because y'all... You all talk about not wanting to erase your Confederate monuments. Oh, all right, well then, y'all kill black people on like on this like actual like what? And so, mm-hmm. Wilmington's history is rooted in that, right? Mm-hmm. And it's easy to look at it and say, oh, but that's not how it is now. Oh, but that. Oh, but that. And I'm like, yeah, there's a whole north side of Wilmington, North Carolina, that still does not have a grocery store. And then the 1898 race massacre is directly connected to. And I say directly because racism, white supremacy, integration, and all these things. Um, but it's directly connected to the Wilmington 10. Mm-hmm. I don't know if y'all have heard of the Wilmington 10 before. Uh-uh. Yeah, Wilmington 10. I want to, yeah, definitely Google that. Uh, it was a group of black people and one white woman who were accused of burning a grocery store down in Wilmington in the early 70s during integration. Um, well, yeah, yeah. there's a whole history and I want I want y'all to go look at it <laughs> yeah, there's I'm a lot yeah. there's, there's a lot I mean there were after the massacre there wasn't a black person in legislator for like 80 90 something yeah. years right and that's like yeah and there and see and that kind of stuff right and like you look at it not a lot of people ask like why why is that right like you need to ask the questions that aren't being asked like, that's what I do. I'll read things. I'm like, okay, what hasn't been said? What hasn't mm-hmm. been asked? Whose story is being told? Who's telling the story? Yeah. Who's left out in the story? Matter of fact, there's a post that I recently saw. I think it was the conscious kid that posted it. And it said, and it had these like, questions on it. And I was like, hey, that's what I do. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> yeah. It's just like, oh, this is like what I already do. Because, um, yeah, those are the questions that need to be asked. Because if you're not asking those questions, you're only reading what's there and that's it that's how we that's why we are halfway why we are where we are now right because people didn't question anything they're just like oh this is just how it's supposed to be mm-hmm. that's what the white church teaches <laughs> like you just white church. i know i mean we could go for hours upon hours upon hours upon hours but in and how, how do you hold all of that in your body how do you take care of yourself with mm. such I mean, and I know that history is in our body, like it goes, it's going back to that, that, that theme, but two questions, how do you take care of yourself? I feel like people of color, black people, or, or people, people have gone through significant traumas, genocide. Once they become aware of, of the significance of that, there's this, there's this healing process that can intentionally happen, but I feel like it can go either way, a, a couple different ways. Um, if you don't have practices to ground you and guide you through that process. Yeah. So I am very grounded in God and my faith. Mm-hmm. My dad is actually a pastor. Mm-hmm. Grew up in the Southern Black Baptist Church, but my dad never had his own church. He didn't want his own church. He was ordained from God, called from God to preach. All of a sudden, he didn't want his own church. So he was like, that's not what I'm called. I'm not called to, you know, take take money from people. 
I'm not, I'm not called to do that. I'm called to do the work of God. And so I was raised with that. I was raised, but I wasn't raised with the uh, white supremacist evangelical Christianity. Mm -hmm. And also actually wasn't raised with the very rigid Southern black Baptist Christianity. Whenever it comes to, you have to to sit and read this. You have to, no, Mm -hmm. my parents were like, like my, my mom would be like, okay, yes. Like we're going to go to church. Like I, I didn't go to church a lot growing up. But really, it was in high school. I went to church a lot, like late middle school. I went to Sunday school growing up because um, my mom, like, it's just, yeah, that's a whole other story about my life, which is a positive story. But I say all that to say, I wasn't brought up with this idea of you have to do this this way mm-hmm. to be loved by Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. To be loved by God. It's mm-hmm. like, you have to, like, we always read the stories to see the bigger moral picture, to see like, how to treat people. I learned about the Jesus that was the radical. I learned about the Jesus that turned over tables, Amen. right? The Jesus that drank up into like Samaritan woman. Like, I, that's the Jesus that I learned about. And so, you mean non-white Jesus? Right, that one. <laughs> <laughs> the one that's literally geographically would not have been white at all. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, like I grew up with that. I in the last several years or really in the last few years, my relationship with God has just strengthened even more just because growing as a person in general, that's just going to happen. Oh, it happens for me or happened for me. It's continuing to happen for me. I have been through a lot in my life where I've had to only depend on God. Um, there is, I don't care what anyone says. And it's not that all black people believe in God, even practice the same, like, and I won't say religion. I don't even like talking about religion in that way because uh, that's an institution and that's, but like not all black people are Southern black Baptists mm-hmm. and that's just fine. But what I do know is there is cohesiveness when it comes to black culture and certain things that have mm-hmm. always been able to hold on to. There's just something higher and I don't care who I've talked to. I've talked to black people who don't even, who just practice different things. We have this thing of, I'm holding on to this. It's like a spiritual connection to something. And that stems from enslavement. And so also what I think is how there was nothing else to hold on to. There's nothing else to hold on to, right? So when we look at, um, we look at like gospel versus other music, that's not gospel. <laughs> uh, you know, people are like, oh, like, why is it different? I'm like, because there, there's a, there was more, there, there was more in it. Cause that's all they had to give was to that. Like, uh, so say all that to say, I know that I'm going off on a tangent, but I still have no, to say so that. No, it's so good. Like, so good. Yeah. yeah. It's like, uh, I think about all that stuff, right? I, I think about there were, there were just so many times that white people wanted us to die, still want us to die. They still want us dead, but there's always been something rooted and grounded in us when people identify as being Christian or not, whatever, there's something. And I think that that goes back to what I was saying earlier, like generational stuff, like what we, what is passed down, not necessarily maybe the same beliefs, but there's something else that's there. And whenever I do this work, I'm glad that I have God because it, it is hard. It is heavy. It is frustrating. But what I do know too, is I don't know sometimes how I do it. And I say that because I don't, have the all this can be gone like all this can be taken away from me right like this is i don't i'm not put on this earth to say oh well i deserve to get this i deserve no now if i work hard okay of course i want to say that but in the but what i mean is in grand scheme of things like yeah yeah this is when i know what i have is a gift and i say that in the most humble way possible but in that i also have had to learn how to rest how to take care of myself, what that looks like. And also not just what that looks like right now, but why I've had to fight so hard to do it and how that stems back to my childhood.
I recently got a therapist, um, got a black therapist. I'm nice. Yeah, I found one in Wilmington, actually. No way, no problem. <laughs> one that has like you know availability, and I was like, oh my gosh! And it happened like the week before I was running out of my health insurance because I had health coverage through UNCW. I was a grad student that ran out in the end of the month last month, and I was still like, I will pay out of pocket. I will pay out of pocket for this because I need this. Like I, for different reasons, for because I'm a historian, I'm an anti-racism educator, but because I'm black in America, period. Like that's yeah, period. Like that's just off yep. off the jump, foundationally, period. Also, mental health should be talked about, and I wish yes. that people could afford. I really can't even afford out of out of pocket, and thank God my therapist told me. She said, "Well, since you had insurance." I'm just going to charge you for the amount that you would have had insurance for. Right. Yeah. She, she, she has her like own thing. Like she was like, I can just do that. And I was just like, I was tears like rolling out my like face. And I was just like, okay, good. Cause I can't afford, <laughs> like, I really would not be able to like afford the other amount. But the point of me saying that too, is like, there's no reason in this country we should not have healthcare that everyone can access. There's no reason in this country why people should not be able to get the mental health that we all need. We all need it just for basic well-being. And so yes, yes, yeah, 100%. like so yeah, I'm I have a therapist now. Um congratulations. Thanks. Thanks. Yes. Uh I um I also though well I've really had to work at taking care of myself. Yeah. I see it as like, oh, I'm taking care of myself and I'm reading a book, but the book I'm reading will be like the new Jim Crow. It's like, okay, I'm not, <laughs> like, I'm not like, that's not me not doing anything. Right. Right. That's, I'm still doing stuff. And so, but really too, to be honest, taking care of myself is still also like listening to my music. This is sounds like very like cliche, but listening to like, my music, spending time with like God you may say that music, the the listening to music is cliche, but there, I, I believe, like in my experience. So I, I just started listening to Dr. King, Martin Luther King Jr.'s his mentor, and he, I think, history labeled him as a mystic, and mm-hmm. like that's sort of the tradition or that I'm rooting into. And so, like when I think of like us as energy beings and like I, I play cello and I sing and like come from a deeply musical a family rooted in music and that vibration and that frequency and the mm-hmm. energy flowing through uh, like that there's I was reading a book I think mind to matter and they did this experiment playing different types of music to water and then froze it and then looked at the patterns that were in the water. Mm-hmm. Music changes us at a molecular level. <laughs> and so like, mm-hmm. that's not yes. like if, if music is part of your self care, like mm-hmm. that is deeply profound and healing can be found there. No. Yeah. That's thanks for that. Actually. Uh, that was really good. <laughs> uh, it was really good. I'm like, oh my god! I was like in that. I was like staring at you. <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, yeah, like I, I grew up playing piano. I haven't played piano in a while, but I took lessons for like seven years from the time I was five until I was like twelve. And by that time, I hadn't learned how to read music. I hadn't learned all the things. So that nothing else to really learn at that point. So I had to play even more complex pieces. But what I would always do. Uh, and I've told people this before is I would always tell people like, I can't play a keyboard. I can, but it's not the same feeling. I need to feel mm. the vibration on my fingers. Mm. I have to feel that. Right. And so over the last, I would say like decade, I've read things about like how people who play music early on their brains and how it's different and how you're able to multitask. And I think about that stuff. Think about like, you know, playing the piano. It's like my left hand is going slow. My right hand's going super fast. Like I don't even think about it though. And so I've actually gotten back or I've told myself I'm going to get back into piano. I actually have my childhood piano right here. I actually have my childhood piano at my house now. Um, and I really, I really need to stop making excuses to not play it. 
And I think what happens is the older we get, like what we were talking about in the very beginning, the more we are like, I have to do this thing though first. I have to do this thing though first. Oh, I have this I have this thing. I have to do this. I have to do this. If I just do these five things, then I can play the piano. But what happens is there's always five more things that happen. It's grind culture. Grind culture, right? Yes. Yes. Grind culture. Yes. Yes. And I have been making it a point since my first therapist appointment a couple weeks ago to be like, I need to stop. Because it was my first ther- like my first appointment, y'all. And my therapist literally said, so what do you do for yourself? Like, she didn't have that hear anything else. She was just like, what do you do for you? Because you haven't told me yet. And I was like, oh, but I have told you. She says, no, you haven't. <laughs> and so I definitely want to get back to doing that. And because music does, I have like a connection to music. Like, I've listened to music before and it's like cried. I, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. it just moves me so deeply and it's just like, yeah. And so I've really been trying to make more time to just do that and to color in a coloring book because that's mindless. It's just, and mm-hmm. I feel like society makes us think that those things are juvenile or, oh, you're an adult. You shouldn't need to do that. And it's like, listen. I'll even push back on you again in saying it's mindless. It's engaging a different part of your brain. Yes. <laughs> yes. That is actually, be- mm-hmm. no, that's actually a better way to put it. It's engaging a different part of your brain. Yes, because I think a mindless as in like, it's something where I don't have to read and highlight and take notes. I don't have to listen to a podcast to learn something, mm-hmm. right? Because it's like, even listening to like a podcast, mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm listening to a podcast and it made me a podcast about organizing. It's still a podcast yeah. and I'm having to yeah. learn yeah. something, right? Yeah. So it's like my mind's still moving versus music playing coloring like so yeah and then really just other ways that are not tangible taking care of myself just not engaging in comment sections Amen. On this like, <laughs> well, i get heart palpitations just thinking about it because i'm just like this, mm-hmm. no 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 i don't i i want to i need to not know that you exist in the world <laughs> yeah. yes no yeah even my my own posts right on, on like social media a few yeah i'll go through and i'll like people's comments and that's that's it other times i don't even look at mine my my own i don't I don't need to look at your comments to know that I'm doing what I know that I'm supposed to be doing. I don't, mm. I don't need to look at your comments and tell me that I'm a good historian and I know what the hell I'm doing. I know that I'm a good historian. I know that I know what I'm doing. I know that. And I say that again yeah. in the most humble way. But what I mean is like people get so wrapped up in the comment sections. They get so wrapped up in that that you lose sight so quickly of what the purpose was of you even doing it in the first place. Mm. Yes, right? yes, 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 yes. Like, and y'all i used to be a comment section person i mean i'd be like this person's ignorant i'm gonna comment Mm -mm." Mm because that's not serving me that makes my anxiety go up that makes my that makes me procrastinate on other things takes away time from other things i'm like that is this that is the devil himself absolutely Mm. not i am not giving that any space right so yeah i don't do that i i'm very mindful of saying no without falling no with anything. Um, and these are things that are really important when it comes to like, taking care of who we are because we're told taking care of yourself just means something physical, like I'm going to get a pedicure, I'm going to get a massage. No, taking care of yourself is also choosing to say, I'm going to turn my phone on, do not disturb for five hours today. Mm. It's so funny no. that you mentioned the devil and that because I've been playing with this idea of like, what is the devil to me as I like deconstruct some of the fear that I was handed growing up from spiritual spaces and this download just sort of just happened for me but it when anytime that I think uh, or I see the devil and and scriptural narrative it's usually through this act of taking a person away from themselves and so I'm like that for me reclaiming that that notion and it's like maybe the devil is this personal thing instead of saying like you know and so if if the devil is the comment section for you because it takes you away from yourselves it takes you out of balance mm-hmm. and out of alignment mm-hmm. for yourself i think and again i i think just that notion of evangelicalism gives us this really narrow way of looking at things yes <laughs> instead like for yes. me expanding it into like you need to figure out what your own devil is so that you can come home to yourself <laughs> yes yeah yes oh my gosh yes because preach tommy for real though because like <laughs> you are hitting on wow
because that is, I don't even have words. Um, <laughs> no, I'm really not even have words. I know it's rare. I'm very rare. That is so true because I have said before, I'm honest to God, I have said before, I'm like, someone's devil might be someone else's angel. Mm. Amen. Right? Right? Like, just because someone is not for me, they may be your best friend. They may be wonderful mm. to you. And that's, but for me, they're my devil. Right? And it's not that that person is the devil. It's not what I'm saying. It's just what I allow, what's happening in my mind, there may be a distraction for me. There may be someone who tempts me to do things that are not what I need to be doing in that moment of my life, right? And again, not to say people are like, oh, that person's a dumb one. They're a terrible person. No, no, not at all. But kind of like the comment section, there are some people who do not get anxiety from the comment section. There are some people who enjoy it. I do not. More power to you. <laughs> I was like, who are I mean, you? Every right? once in a while, I don't mind. Like, there's there's sometimes where my spirit is calm, and I'm like, I can mm-hmm. engage. I can educate you today. And then there's other times when yes. I'm like, uh, you, my body is tense. My shoulders are up to yeah. my ears. We're, we're done here. <laughs> yeah. Like, my, my teeth are clenched. Like, my shoulders are, like, right here. I realize it. Like, and I realize I need to relax. But, yeah. But, yeah, things like that, taking care of myself, I'm really starting to associate more with liberation and what that really looks like, especially for black people, more specifically for black women. Yes. I'm, I'm, yes. I'm a black woman, right? Like, what does that really look like? What I'm decolonizing my own mindset about what self-care is. Hmm. I didn't, I wasn't born like this. I wasn't born out the womb woke or knowing, I, no, I'm, still trying to wrestle my own things and I'm, I'm still trying to learn and unlearn because outside of the work that I do I'm still a whole person out here I'm black in America I have other personal life stuff going on right so you know this isn't all that we do and too often even I forget that mm-hmm. and I have to check mm-hmm. back in and I have to notice whenever I feel very out of sorts whenever I feel like my mind is moving a thousand miles an hour and I just can't organize. I just can't plan what I have to be still, which is why earlier in Tommy, whenever you were saying that sometimes you just have to make yourself stop. That's why I was just like, yes, because I had to do that back. Letty, you need to stop. Just, just stop for just a second. Stop. Mm-hmm. It will be okay. Uh, so I was really mm-hmm. glad that you did that to even just start our conversation today because before I got on this, I was like, Go, 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 go. But even that helped me be like, yeah, all right. Take 15 seconds to just stop. And this is just 15 seconds. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, we've mm-hmm. taken it for granted. And like as a coach now, and then even in, as a nurse, and I used to be like, I used to think telling my patients to take a deep breath or to breathe wasn't like doing anything. And, and the more I've, I've sat with it as I've gone through like coaching programs, as I've like done it myself, <laughs> I'm just like, our breath is our most powerful tool that like, yes. and nobody can take that away yeah. from us. Like people can try, you know, but like, when we are in our fullest autonomy and, and even, you know, unless we're truly in danger, our breath, nobody can take that away from mm-hmm. us. Right. Mm-hmm. And three deep breaths slowly in and out can help our body reset when we're in that frenzy. And now if you're in fight or flight, you need to pay attention to what's making you in fight or flight. But it has shown that three deep breaths will reset your body and tell your body that you're okay and that you can go on. And so sometimes I'm not very good at doing three, but if we actually stop and do that, it kind of recenters you in the moment. I need to do that more often. I actually have to act myself because when I'm highly resistant to pausing and taking breaths. And it's like, oh, I took two breaths. I'm good. And it's like the, <laughs> that, that forced act of sitting there is like, and I have to ask myself sometimes, like, why don't you want to come home to yourself right now? Why don't you want to come home to yourself right now? Like, where are you running away from? Right. <laughs> but yeah, and, and I always forget. I, I feel like I, I'm 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 not remembering in those moments that like yourself is safe. Coming home to yourself mm. is safe. And take those time, those moments for your, yourself. In our society with capitalism and all the other things. 
and all the other isms take us away from that truth um, that we just need to come home to ourselves and rest in that. It's this, this notion of action and contemplation. We cannot do action if we don't take the moments to contemplate and rest. And I'm, this, I'm so thankful for things like Andre Henry talking about imagination and the nap ministry talking about rest. Yes. And, you know, because it's like those yeah. are things. Rest, I think, is the pathway to resistance and revolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I was so excited when I found the Nat Ministries Instagram a couple years ago. I was like, oh, look, an entire Instagram account devoted to why we need to be doing this. Like, someone who's co-signing my naps? Yes. Like, this is great. Oh, my gosh. This is so great, right? And, yeah, like, we are, we are so – and I'm really bad at that with taking time sometimes. Like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very self-aware person. Right. I'm someone who'd be like, okay, really face yourself right now. What's going on? Okay. But I don't do it all the time, but I will come back to that. But I have a hard time being right. Just sitting and being with myself whenever I know that I really need to. Cause what's also happening in my head is like, nope, you gotta get, you gotta do this. You gotta do that. You have to do this. You have to do that. And it's like, why, why am I resisting that? And Yeah. It also makes me think about what you were talking about earlier, not only capitalism, but the compounding it with the DNA from the habits oh, passed down, not habits, excuse rest, me, like. the lifestyle passed <laughs> Yeah, you couldn't rest. It was go, go, go. And if you stop, there was, I'm sure there was horrible punishment. And also, if you showed your true self, like you were talking about, you know, if there was um, a child who was smart, who was intuitive, who, you know, they didn't show. And so that's ingrained in your DNA. Like there's so many compounding factors that are fighting you, not not fighting you, but it's just hard to peel back all those layers. We've weaponized the scripture that if a man who doesn't work, doesn't eat. Like we've weaponized that. <laughs> yes. We've, yes. Like we've used it to support, yes. to prop up capitalism and, and grind culture. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's exactly right. And it's, that's whenever people say things like let's break generational curses. I'm like, yes, that's not just a curse of like a bad attitude or something like that. Or like a bad no. Attitude. no, it's like that goes much deeper whenever I hear that. I'm like, that really means, and it's not even, it's not even a curse. It's really just breaking like generational forces. I I feel like saying, and maybe this is just me. I'm gonna go off on this. Saying generational curse, curse already has a negative connotation with it. So yeah, yeah. right. So we're already seeing it as oh well, this is a generational curse of how my family was. But really, it's it's also paying homage to our ancestors when we decide that we're not going to give in to white supremacy anymore. And the same white supremacy that they had to always bow down to. So really, for me, as of late, actually, it's generational forces instead of a curse because I don't see things that my mom and dad did as a curse. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, Dr. Dr. Shanika Walker Barnes, we talked with her about that on a a couple episodes ago. I don't remember right off the top of my head, like exactly how she phrased it, but there was, Uh for me, there was a bit of redemption in that too. And, or, or some aha moment. I'll see if I can find it for you, but still I like generational forces too. Right. I think it's, it's it's communicating the fact that there's work to be done and it's difficult work. (laughs) Right. 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 And it's like, I don't like, there are obviously things like, I mean, even how, like black parents, a lot of black parents just won their children, right? Like um, yeah. mm-hmm. meeting their children. And I don't even know that topic too heavy. I'm, I, I won't go there. But what I will say is that's if you read the history about how enslavers used to brutalize enslaved people, it was in very similar ways. And so mm-hmm. when it's, what happens is then you have this ingrained idea of control that's the only way people will listen is if they're hit. Like, so, and then a lot of things clicked with me, uh, this past semester in graduate school, which was my like last, last semester when I was just like, wow. So this 
it made me think about white people who have not experienced that, right? White people who are like, oh, I've never, I've never been spanked growing up. Like, I was never mm-hmm. this, you know? And it's, and I started connecting the dots. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Cause y'all were the ones that did it. You weren't the ones who experienced it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> um, but, but honestly, it, things that like my, my grandma, I'm actually named after my grandma, my, my mom's mom. I'm like things that she did that may not have been the best, you know, like negative stereotypes about mental health, for example, because you know, back in the day, a lot of people are like, oh, that's, you're crazy if you have to go get like a therapist or something. Yeah. I've heard my family members saying that before, my older family members, but that doesn't take away from the fact that they still were resilient over everything mm-hmm. that someone could have broken them to. So am I going to look at them as someone who was, who put a curse on them? No, no. You know what a curse is? White supremacy. That's a curse. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. Like, yeah. So that's why I, I, I really now try to think more about language and words. That's why I was, you know, generational forces, yeah. um, because it is a force to be broken, mm, right? It's, it, it's a force to break through. So, yeah. I love talking through this kind of stuff, though, sometimes, too, because then it just helps my brain just even more think deeper, mm-hmm. deeper into it. I mean, it, it, it's healing. It's like, like why... Why do I think the things that I do or why, why do I hold the values that I do or why mm-hmm. do I, and, and language is, pa- is powerful is how we, it's how we create and construct. And, and so I love that part of anti-racism work is an invitation into examine how we're using language as weapons against yes. others. Yeah. Yes. It's critical to examine. And that's for all of us. It's for all of us. I, I even have had to change words that I use. I, uh, to be very frank with y'all, you know, the last couple of years, I've had to be very aware of pronouns and saying they instead of she or they instead of he or he, because that humanizes people. Yeah. It doesn't like period, right? Like that, that is, yeah. that is a form of communication is acknowledging who they are not who I think they should be because of a white supremacy norm. Right. (laughs) And the church said, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like I am not put here to scrutinize who you are. Like I am, who am, who am I to like, so yeah, I, anyway, I won't even get on that because I'll be here for like another hour about just that <laughs> and even like me coming in that. But like, yeah, you, you know, like my my language has just had to change. If I actually have started saying like non-white more often now because I want to decenter whiteness, uh, especially not talking about certain racial justice topics, history and those things. And I'm just, there's just other language. There's just other language that's so important and that goes into communication. It goes into how people are going to take what you're saying. I mean, there are definitely times that I talk to white people about white privilege and I'm like, listen, you have white privilege. I don't, I'm not going to get into it with you. I'm not going to argue with you. And I don't argue. I don't call on white feelings. I don't, I don't make space for that. No, but I've learned and this has taken some time, but I thank God for it, to be honest with you, because it's something that I've just learned how to naturally do. And then my program actually helped me learn how to refine it more, the way to approach people. So, you know, if I'm like talking to someone and they're genuinely asking me a question and they're not trying to argue, they're not trying to be a know-it-all, they're just like, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm just confused about white privilege. I've, I've done this several times before and someone's like, I just don't understand. Like, I've, I've worked for everything that I have. And they're not saying it in the tone of, well, I've worked for everything that I have. So, right. Yeah. So, you know, yes. Even yeah. that tone is different. And so mm-hmm. I've said to someone before, like a different way to start the conversation is like, I do understand that you have worked for what you have. I'm not saying that like you haven't, I'm not saying you haven't worked hard. Like we're, we're all out here working. I know how it is out here. You know, I'll try to find something that mm-hmm. isn't heavy to start the conversation out. And then I'll be like, but that's not what white privilege is. I said, that's just called like you work hard for stuff. Okay. That's not. And then I'm like, 
that's racial privilege and socioeconomic privilege are branches of this. And then I'll be like, here's what white privilege is. And I've noticed Mm -hmm. having those kinds of conversations, first of all, people are not on the defense as quick. Mm -hmm. Now, again, I don't do this with everyone. I don't do this with people who want to, who want to argue, who are, devil's advocate people Mm -mm, not knowing that but someone who genuinely wants to have a conversation i'm like okay yeah and they're just wanting to like know how they need to change their mindset Mm -hmm. and in those conversations i've noticed like it doesn't happen often but it does happen sometimes people are like i've never thought about it like that but had i said to that person okay well you're being ignorant you have white privilege here's why i'm going to say the same thing after here's why but they're going to take it completely differently. And that's not to say that black people need to be the people to always like do that. That's not, no, no, no. It's not at all what I'm yeah. saying. But what I am saying is I've learned that whenever you see that people are trying to do the work and you see that people like Jimmy are trying and they're just conf- like, you can't just be like, okay, go out there. You have to figure it out. It's like, all right, let's bring you in. I, right. Like that's, that is kind of productive to me. Cause then what you're doing is you're actually backwards doing the same thing. White supremacy is Ooh, Yes. Say that, say that. Right. Like I'm like, you're, what are you solving by treating someone like that? And it does require a lot of patience. It does require me to sometimes just read a message and I'll just walk away from it for a second. I'll just go back to it. And sometimes I don't say anything, but more mm-hmm. often I'm like, what am I put here to do? Like, what am I convicted to do? It doesn't matter what it looks like to someone else, another anti-racism educator, another historian. That's not my lane. Like, I don't know how I'm going to affect that person who asked me that question, right? Like, I don't... I've had several times on my Patreon, during my webinars, people have just said, I had a really bad day today, and I'm really glad that you just said that because it actually let me know that it's okay if I have not been able to open a book about racism for a week, cause I've just been too busy. Right. Versus mm-hmm. making people feel bad because you're not doing it 24 seven. I'm not doing it 24 mm-hmm. seven. Right? Like, I'm not doing it 24 seven. And so mm-hmm. um, again, I'm someone who tells white people do the work. There, there, there are no excuses to not do it. I, right. I, there's, there's not this whole, Oh, it's just hard for me to read. I'm not going to do it anymore. Oh, it's just uncomfortable. No, but in that, you are still a human being. You're still, we're still in a whole pandemic. You still have kids at home. You still have a job. You, we're all dealing with, we're inundated by our phones with images and news stories and idiots. Mm -hmm. And like, and so I actually did a webinar on my Patreon about anti-racism and like self care. And a lot of people were like, Oh my gosh, thank you for this. And I was like, Oh, I was just letting y'all know that if you need to take a day, you don't have to be on all the time. You don't have to be on all the time because you reading a book, you reading 20 books about racism and white supremacy isn't going to solve the problem. You can read all the books that there are, but unless you do something, like actionably do something. And I don't mean actually like going out and protesting. No, I don't mean that because people think action with that. They connotate that with, mm-hmm. like, no, actually do something. Like call out your family and they say something racist. Mm-hmm. Where are your funds going to? right? Like, what are you supporting? Mm-hmm. We live in a capitalistic society. So for me to tell you, you shouldn't be supporting Amazon, but I'm buying an Apple iPhone. That's, yeah, yeah. that's a whole other conversation, right? But like, that's, that's stuff that I, I, I tell people because I'm not, I'm not a kum, kumbaya, love is going to save the day person. No, but what I am though, is like, if you're going to sit here and talk about the civil rights movement and John Lewis, and black black panthers even um uh, uh stokely carmichael uh, Bill Clinton, time you. Mm-hmm. man right <laughs> i was like he's really trying to diss stokely though at a funeral though how disrespectful <laughs> oh bill oh bill he's mm. but yeah you know like if like, you're gonna look at the movement and look at history and try to emulate that you have to also emulate the fact and they did not, they call people in all the time. So even if you look at the Black Panther Party, as radical as they were, 
one of my favorite groups in history. They had a rainbow coalition, a rainbow coalition. And their rainbow coalition was Asian Americans, black Americans, white Americans who actually cared about oppression, who actually wanted to do something about all people who were being hmm. oppressed. So when we talk about people in the movement, talk about people doing the work, I see a lot of you're doing it the wrong way. And now there are now there is the wrong way. There is mm-hmm. people centering whiteness and centering themselves mm-hmm. and white people becoming leaders of diversity and inclusion committees. Set the do record straight, that. child. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, do not do that. Do not mean that person. Do not do that thing. Do not go try to start a book club because you feel bad. No, that's not what you do. You go find. But first of all, so many thoughts. Right, right. I'm like, just go sit down for a small and just be quiet. And you read by yourself in your corner. In your corner, go sit down and just basic one-on-one racism work. But what I mean is like, there are people who are just like if, and I've been in these containers before. I haven't experienced this before. Mm. Where someone's trying to ask a question about something or they're trying to understand something or they're trying to do something and a person's like, no, like you're doing it the wrong way. No, like you're, you're doing it wrong. On a basic, a basic person level, foundational level, if mm. any of us go to a job, and we're trying and we read the directions and we do them and we get it wrong or we try to do the training like we get it wrong if we're constantly scrutinized we're gonna be like well then why well then why am i here if Hmm. all if all we get back is nope wrong no and nothing to say like here's where you messed up here's where you need to not ever do this thing again because here's why you're problematic i'm not not going to coddle you but let me tell you what it mm-hmm. looks like to do it the right way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If we don't do that, what are we doing? Like what, honestly, like what are, what do we want to happen here? Because I get really frustrated when I hear people talk about history and movements, what people did before. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, they, they call people in. Like what, like you were saying earlier, Tommy, like it wasn't this whole all right, Susie, you did that wrong and you cannot be part of this anymore and I'm not going to talk to you. Mm. But, but she's genuinely asking the question. Mm-hmm. She isn't trying to like, re- like rebuttal, trying to say that she's trying to lean anything. She's just asking a question. Mm. And so that's where even in the most heated moments, and there are times I still tell people like, uh-uh, I'm not, I'm not dealing with you because mm-hmm. you are problematic. Yeah. But then there are times that I'm convicted, this little feeling in my soul that's like, you need to tell that person because that's what I'm, that's what I'm here to also do yeah. is to show people what to do yeah. and how to, how to correct, right? How to, if like a person asks me, how do I approach my family member who does not believe that white privilege is real? I'm not going to say to them, well, you need to go and you need to pay for these five things that I did and it cost a thousand dollars. And then you can ask me, no, I'm going to tell her right then what she needs to do. It's going to take me two mm. minutes because I, I already have the knowledge. It goes back to like what I said earlier. All this can be taken away from me at any time. I do believe that I should, yes, I should get paid for, for my labor. Oh, absolutely. My labor, my time, my emotional labor, mental labor, all that stuff. But there comes a point where it's, that's, no, if someone messages me something, I'm just going to, I'm just going to answer them. Yeah. If I want to. Mm. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I hope that all makes sense. Lady speaks. Lady speaks. I mean, it, it, it's, I just, it's one, it shows your humility. Two, is that notion that we're here for relationships and it's not about me, right? Like, yeah. I'm here to be healthy so that I can contribute to our collective well being, all of us. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so yeah, much for talking really to us today. Yeah. Tell us. This has uh, been so fun. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. so fun oh my gosh can we do this again yes please uh, you, you have standing invitation standing invitation um, tell everybody how they can find you and in, in be in community with you and support you yeah so I'm on Instagram at sincerely.letty I post like all things history anti-racism every morning I started posting a story with my coffee cup and a song that I just that just comes to mind like the first song that comes to mind and I'm and oh, yeah, I'm just like, yeah, that's what I'm thinking about. I'm just going to post it. Um, <laughs> I posted it. I just wanted to, right? And also Patreon. 
I have Patreon. Uh, it's um, Letty. She may. I'm assuming you're going to put this in the show notes. Yes. Okay. Yes. All of it will be Perfect. there as well. Because my yes. last name, people may spell it wrong. So yeah. Um, so yeah. 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 I'm on um, Patreon. I'm on Facebook. And I'll have a website coming soon. I will, I'll be offering uh, some anti-racism consulting or coaching. I haven't decided the wording of it yet, but only to like a few people at a time, but that'll be all on the website later on. And, oh, and my Patreon has six different tiers and they range from, yeah, $5 to $100. And there's something in there for like everyone. So there's price range mm-hmm. there for each. Um, I was trying to do it in a realistic way. Uh, yeah. People can get a lot of information. I mean, even with like five bucks, you still get uh, a reading and resource list every month that I create that has like websites to learn more about history and like anti-racism and things like that. That's a lot for five bucks. Yeah. And I knew, yeah. And it's like a page long and I actually did one today, matter of fact, but they get access to that. Like a few more posts I do maybe during the month, not as much as the higher tiers. But yeah. 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 My, um, my second tier and my third tier my or second and, and up get access to different webinars, which are pretty much every week on my Patreon. So yeah. Okay. Will you, with your Patreon, will when you start doing some coaching, will that also be put up on your Patreon as well? So if people are following you there, they'll also get notified. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So whenever my website launches, that'll go on Instagram, Patreon, all of the places. Uh, I'll also will have a mailing list set up finally, so people can subscribe. Oh, so people can nice. messages. Yeah, it's like a lot of stuff to do. Because, and also for me, it all happened so fast. It happened um, mm. right after like George Floyd and like Ahmaud Arbery. And I was trying to deal with that as a black person in America and literally feeling sick to my stomach for a week and, or, or mm. really a month. Just so like, it's just, it's just heavy. It's just, it was so heavy. And at the mm. same time, I got all these followers, all these patrons. And I was like, oh, I don't have time to catch up. It was a blessing though. Like I, I, I saw it as... God being like, all right, you've prayed for this for like a year now. You've prayed for this. You've prayed for it. Because y'all did so many things for free the past couple of years, like everything. <laughs> and God was like, here it is, right? And so I was like, all right, I have to just take it. And it made me fight through some of my procrastination and anxiety and stuff. So like I said before, grounded in God with everything. Like I have to, I, I see it. Even if I don't see it right then, I end up seeing it later. But yeah, so everyone can follow me at those places I just talked about. I love my Patreon community. I love my, I love it all. I love all that mm-hmm. I do. Uh, I put time into all that I do. I put, mm-hmm. I will research something for an hour to make sure that that one sentence was correct. So people have the right, so people have the right, like the right information. Because if they go share it with 20 people and they share, like, I want it to be correct. And, I, and that's, that's not my perfectionism in, in me. It's the correct historical narrative. That I want people to know. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. That's something I've been learning about the last six months and it just baffles me. The lack of importance we, and I say we meaning white people who I'm speaking of put on that necessity to make sure it's correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just a huge learning, which is also something if you were coaching, I'm sure, like, I just want to say a shout out, like, it's huge that you're willing to start coaching in a few months. And listeners, one of the best things you can do is have um, an anti-racism coach in this world. Like, that's just so, you know, I'm sure there's going to be a waiting list for Letty. So I'm just saying you probably should be <laughs> Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I've been wanting to do it for a while and now is the time and I'm just being pushed towards it. And it's just also about finding the time, right? It's like, I need five more hours in a day. Just, matter of fact, sometimes I kind of just have 30 more minutes. That's, that's it. It's 30 more minutes. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm super excited. I'm really glad that we've had this conversation and then we've like, I feel like I've known y'all for mm. a while just from our conversation today like, i'm so filled up right now and i'm just like oh, what a great way to like i don't know to start their week really because the beginning of today was just so busy and yeah oh 
Thank you so mm, much. That's that, uh, yeah, that's the that's the kind of home we want here. For yeah. even we don't ever want this to be burdensome for people. It's like come rest, come rest. <laughs> oh yeah, this one's made me feel like rejuvenated. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so nice. I wish I had a glass of wine. No, probably not. Yeah. Probably better not do this with wine. But <laughs> I mean, so many more stories, right? <laughs> we'll save that for off the mic. <laughs> yes. All right. Yes. All right, yes. friends. Till next time. Yo, that was our show. Thanks for listening to Permission to Be. Um, thank you to our guests. So if you want more information, head on over to permissiontobepodcast.com to check out the show notes. Get some more information on our guests that we post over there. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, leave a rating. If there's somebody that you want to see on this podcast telling their story, we also want to hear from you. So make sure to connect with us on Facebook and Instagram, Permission to Be Podcast, and we'll see you soon.